Welcome to Please Make This Movie, a podcast where we take a classic movie or a TV show and come up with a sequel, prequel, or spinoff. I'm Zach. I'm Storm. And I'm Nick. And this week we're doing Beetlejuice. Um, this is one we've kind of talked about since we really got the idea. Like, I think this was on the original list. Yeah, yeah, it's been mm-hmm. on there since the beginning. I, I, I definitely was excited to to talk about it. It's one of my favorite movies, uh, one that I've seen many, many times. I forgot Alec Baldwin was in this. <laughs> it's a very yeah. young Alec, like a, a completely different looking Alec Baldwin. So Alec Baldwin in this movie, to me, gives off um, Bruce Wayne vibes. And then uh, Michael Keaton, who plays Beetlejuice, went on to play Bruce Wayne and Batman in the the first two Tim Burton Batman movies. I can kind of oh, see yeah. that. Um, so I, I was talking to you guys before we started. This is one of those movies I feel like I felt pretty comfortable with. I felt like I knew pretty well. And then I actually mm. watched it. And I realized that maybe I had seen... 30 to 45 minutes of it more than once. Ah, um, specifically, uh, I did not realize it. Beetlejuice is not a huge character in this movie, in my opinion. No, no. I think he only has 17, 17 minutes or so of screen time in the, the total, uh, the total film. And it takes a long time to get to him. Oh yeah. Yeah. Probably 30 well, until you actually meet him, there's little breadcrumbs throughout, but maybe yes. 30, 45 minutes in before you, you have that introduction. Yeah, he's definitely not like as important as you would think he would be, you know, being the title of the film. But like he, I think he deserves to be on the title <laughs> just because, I don't know, as far as everything, I mean, every, there's a lot of memorable things in the movie, but I don't know, Michael Keaton's performance of Beetlejuice is pretty, pretty bananas. Yeah, the performance for sure. The role that he kind of services in the film, the character of Beetlejuice, is like this MacGuffin, uh, this this ghost that can help, or this this element of chaos. He kind of just shows up and does a bunch of crazy stuff in the end, and it is this thing they have to overcome. And it could have been anything, uh, but if it wasn't Michael Keaton as this particular um, incarnation of Beetlejuice, uh, the movie would, I don't think, be nearly as memorable. I... Um... I think Beetlejuice is like central to the plot because without like this movie, the plot is pretty basic. Usually I have like a rundown of multiple themes and stuff and outside of um, just kind of them. uh, And when I say them, I mean Alec Baldwin and and Gina Davis's characters like kind of accepting Winona Ryder as like their own child outside of Mm -hmm. that, the weird couple with, with child kind of thing. Uh, (laughs) It's a pretty basic story. Like I, I wrote down a summary. It says couple dies, new family moves in, couple wants them out, asks for Beetlejuice health, ha- help. The family does a seance. Beetlejuice is the only one that can stop that. The couple has to banish Beetlejuice back. Like the, it feels yeah. like not a lot happens. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is uh, easy to track it. I mean, it's a simple enough plot that as a kid, I had no problem watching this movie and following along every step of the way. Well, and this is this is a Tim Burton movie, right? Yes, definitely. So, I guess my question is, if this wasn't a Tim Burton movie with all of the like weird set pieces and zany characters and and just like people being weird people, would this movie be any good? No, I don't know that. Yeah, I don't know a movie like this uh, if it would work at all. I, I don't know if it would have come into existence if if there weren't um, 
a Tim Burton like guy at the helm. Um, and I, I kind of, I don't know for me, Tim Burton, uh, his early career and his career as it is now, um, there's like eras, uh, mm-hmm. and early Tim Burton. I like quite a bit Beetlejuice, Pee Wee's big adventure. Um, the nightmare before Christmas and Edward Scissorhands, I think, um, there's a difference between his style then and now. And I don't think, I can't think of a single other filmmaker who would have done, uh, who would have done any of those movies at all. So yeah, I, to answer your question, I don't. Yeah, no, the movie isn't fun because of its script necessarily, or because of, uh, the story at all. It's cool because you get in this weird world with all these crazy visual cues. Like the, the thing that's most memorable to me is like the, the miniature, like grass, how it's like this weird fake plastic. <laughs> and I, I don't know that, that like, I, I watched this only when I was a kid and how I remember it is like okay. a nightmare, but like how it actually is, is way more enjoyable. <laughs> so like, I don't know, like all of my memories from it were like, I don't know, like I thought it was, it was still pretty dark. Like, like I don't know, like, uh, uh, what's her name? Renata Ryder, like talks about killing herself at the end. And yeah. Um, yeah. Like, writes, yeah. She writes, she writes like a, a suicide letter and then almost mm-hmm. make a joke out of it. <laughs> Like it's it's kind of comical, like when you look at it, because you don't really expect it to happen. But yeah, um, so so you just said it, Nick. You watched this as a kid. I feel like a lot of people watch this as as a child. But I, this isn't a kids' movie, right? I I always thought it was. Uh, I saw it as a kid. Um, it you know it is rated PG. However, it's it's uh, PG, but Beetlejuice definitely says fuck, right? He does. Yeah, he says nice fucking model. And even <laughs> yeah. as a kid, I remember thinking like, what's going on? <laughs> Who is who's the audience here? But other than that, I, I don't know. It's fun. It's it's so much fun, despite being, you know, kind of scary and weird. But definitely I feel, yeah, weird. I feel like it's just nightmare fuel because every time Beetlejuice <laughs> comes into the movie, it's just like, oh, now his head is on a giant snake and he's got millions yeah. of teeth. I think it's worth pointing out that originally this film was supposed to be a lot scarier. And I, I definitely don't think Tim Burton's original vision had um, children in mind as a target audience. But um, the kind of through the process of collaboration, when they brought Michael Keaton in and he started to play the character the way that, that he had come up with, they realized that there was no way it wasn't going to come across as uh, kind of... <laughs> um, <laughs> comical endearing almost it's like this like all all american performance it's very it's very oh, hey there you know uh, it's me michael keaton like and, <laughs> like who he's like a guy at a rodeo well, or crazy something. with michael keaton playing like he what other role has he done that is anything near beetlejuice like <laughs> no i don't know if there is i think yeah that's the one the one time he went full crazy. Yeah, I, I mean, it just seems yeah. like it's well, a no, he, style. no, no, no. He has that. So, uh, in Batman, he has that one scene where the Joker he's in front of a fireplace. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> that one scene is like the other time Michael Keaton has gone full crazy. Where he's like, "All right, you want to play rough?" And he grabs the fire poker and like smashes a vase. And for a second, you're like, "Whoa, that's weird, Bruce Wayne." Yeah. Uh... I wonder why, well, you know what, I, I should know. I, I have to imagine Batman came after this. Um, and that's another collaboration with Tim Burton. So I wonder for him, there's this expectation of like, all right, at some point, I'm going to put a little bit of that Beetlejuice energy into this Batman movie, no matter what. And that scene definitely is kind of iconic in that way. So, um, yeah, I wonder if that's his little 
fun nod to the previous character. So did you guys, was the cartoon Beetlejuice around oh, when you God. guys had been growing up? Yeah, yeah, I remember it fondly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've I've gone back. It, there's episodes of it available on the Blu-ray of Beetlejuice. Um, and I've tried to watch it. I, every time I put it in and I watch the movie, I see the special feature, you know, episodes of the cartoon. And um, I've never made it through one. They're... I, I do remember liking it a lot as a kid, but yeah, it, they're, uh, they do not hold up. Yeah, I, I wondered. I was not, I, it was obviously around, um, but I was not ever like somebody who watched it. So I wondered if it if it held up at all. Yeah, it's the, um, the dialogue, the sense of humor is very cringy. Um, it's not as clever as I, I would like it to be. It's certainly not clever enough to hold the attention span of an adult audience, but the colors, the characters is very wacky and interesting looking, uh, which I think it kind of is inherent with the world um, that they created from this movie. Uh, yeah, I, I, I going back to that show, I, I have I recalled distinctly what it looked like. Like mm-hmm. I can see his fingers in that show, all <laughs> weird colored like, but I don't remember much of the, the story. I don't know. A lot of thing with Beetlejuice is like. Like going watching that as a kid, like I, I feel like it is a kids movie, but it's not like any other fucking kids movie because like you think about death <laughs> for the first time so, and so this we weird did, conception we of it. Just did Gremlins? Which one of those yeah. is between this and Gremlins? Which one is more of a kids movie? I think Gremlins. Despite if Gremlins didn't have that one <laughs> scene with um, but it's weird. I don't know. It's weird for me. I like I like the the practical effects. Yeah, well, okay, so that's what I'm saying. If that scene wasn't in there, I do think Gremlins would definitely be way more of a family movie. It's more violent than Beetlejuice. Uh, there's actual blood, and like we didn't talk about this in our episode, but Stripe shoots at Billy with a gun. Uh, and <laughs> when I rewatched that, that was the thing that shocked me the most. He actually has a revolver and he's firing bullets at him. Um, despite that, I, I, I don't know. I'm probably wrong. That <laughs> I don't know. What do you guys think, Beetlejuice? So what? is the most shocking thing from this movie because there are a lot of of different things shocking um when he says yeah, nice like fucking the, the model that happened, yeah, yeah. The, the, just that dialogue in a pg movie the, yeah the f word yeah well it's also like just scary like it's actually like scary in a just a i don't know like the even how a lot of the effects have aged, it makes it almost even scarier. Just like heads turning around <laughs> and like yeah. the uh, Alec Baldwin and uh, what's her name? What's that actress's name? Gina oh, Davis. Uh, Davis. Yeah, Gina Davis. Uh, with Barbara and Adam, I think their names were. Yeah. Yep. When they like change their faces to be like, they're oh, we're trying out being scary. Like yeah. that's it's not scary, but it's horrifying. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like just to see them like warp is, their faces without like yeah, it it is uh, like uncomfortable. I don't know. I think I I mean as far as kids go, I feel like not a lot of shows delve into death. <laughs> like as a kid, oh, I watched yeah. that. I just remember like, oh wow, this is like this weird afterlife where it's not heaven, it's not hell, it's not even purgatory. Really, it's just like this weird, horrible yeah bureaucracy. They, and it makes no sense of why they have to like it they didn't die in their house. So why do they have to haunt their house and are contained to their house? Yeah. Well, they, they kind of established this, um, uh, afterlife, uh, bureaucracy. And what I, what I always took away from it or, or interpreted it as is that each person when they die has like 
basically a contractual obligation that defines what happens next. And the Maitland's agreement uh, that they don't know about or know anything about uh, or have anything to do with um, is that they have to haunt their house for 125 years. Not that that's the standard agreement that happens to everybody, because I think they even mention um, that haunted houses are hard to come by, but that's the deal that happened to them. They just didn't read all the book uh, before they started freaking out and looking for answers. So they didn't, they didn't find everything out. And they, even by the end of the movie, they haven't, they don't have a full understanding of their scenario because they didn't take the time to learn about it. Yeah. It's like, I, I just think if it is like, Oh, it's just a weird explanation for why like houses are haunted. Like it's actually like, Oh, like yeah. they got to put in their time scaring people. And yeah, if they don't scare them, they're not successful. And, I think it's mostly a joke uh like any of the explanation for it uh, is mostly for for laughs and the important part is just you know we've got these people and they're haunting their house yeah they're and they're never concerned really at all that they're dead like it's like oh gosh golly yeah they take that in stride for sure yeah Uh, supposedly what was supposed to happen was like they were supposed to brutally die (laughs) like in that car crash and they're supposed to like slowly drown like, like it was. I mean, that was just part of how it was supposed to be much, much darker. Mm-hmm. Oh, Jesus! I did not know that. So, I, I do want to point out this is at least the second movie. I feel like maybe we've done another one with Catherine O'Hara. Yeah, we've done three because we did Home Alone. Mm-hmm. And I thought maybe we did one before, but I'm not sure. Maybe not. Um, maybe we just realized during Home Alone that she was also uh, Moira Rose from Schitt's Creek, and I'm thinking that it. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't remember anything else that she was in. She was just tearing it apart, it seems like, in the late 80s, early 90s with like pretty not necessarily like super memorable roles, but definitely like bold character choices. Yeah, she almost becomes like a, like an archetype in that way. Like she's the, um, oh, I, I guess like Moira Rose is the most extreme version of it, but it's yeah, like this. Yeah, she's like an eccentric mother. Yeah, but a wealthy eccentric mother. Yes. Um, that comes from a certain a certain uh you know, a class, high class yeah. background. And I would say like Home Alone, her character is like just the baseline. And then it's a step up mm. in Beetlejuice. And and granted these aren't yeah. going in order they're actually filmed. It's a step up in Beetlejuice, and then it's another step up in Shits Creek. Totally. I mean, she's fantastic in the role uh, in Beetlejuice, for sure. I like her in all those movies. I, I, I've i always found her very enjoyable. Yeah. And it's particularly weird for me in this one, because in my pitch, um, I I was going for recasts of some of these people, and that was one that uh, well, threw me through a loop, for sure. I, unless we have anything else, let's talk about what we think <laughs> a Beetlejuice movie needs to have. So we're doing a sequel, which I'm imagining is probably going to be maybe a, a soft reboot. Um, potentially um i do want to mention i'm sorry but so before before we do that there was at one point information out there about beetlejuice 2 that tim burton was going to make uh, i was reading about it on wikipedia a little bit before we started mm-hmm. and it was going to be called beetlejuice goes hawaiian uh it was going to be about um the the maitlands go on vacation to hawaii and in some sort of brady bunch-esque uh shenanigans ensue and and they awaken an ancient spirit and beetlejuice is the hero but it's specifically it it said in this wikipedia entry that um there was going to be a surf contest where beetlejuice um through you know some magic undead powers wins the surf contest and saves the day 
And that sounds goddamn ridiculous. So I don't know what we're going to come up with, but great. Like it sounds like a terrible movie, but I definitely want to see it. Yeah. (laughs) But Uh, I mean, in terms of like what needs to be in a, well, a Beetlejuice sequel, um, the character Beetlejuice, certainly, mm -hmm. um, some sort of undead. Uh, I, I think reference maybe other ghosts. Maybe I don't know. It's tough. Beetlejuice is a really unique situation, and I think you can use that character. Yeah, I, I in lots like, of different ways. I feel like it needs to have Beetlejuice. It needs to have uh, at least a couple moments in that like afterlife area, mm-hmm. and it needs to deal with death in some capacity, and just like people who are not accepting or, or just not um ready for their their death yeah i would like to see sandworms again they were really cool i thought that was maybe a reference to dune or something <laughs> um, yeah so i i don't want to say it's a requirement but i want to see them yeah i, I think beetlejuice uh, is the most important part i mean there's a lot of ways to play with it um I think the the way it's made is kind of more important than the story behind it. Yeah, it real it's like style over substance for sure. Um, I think either emulating that early Tim Burton style, um, like this like weird macabre kind of carnival esque, uh, tongue in cheek. Um, yeah, well, he has a, a of... really sarcastic sense of humor that comes through. Oh yeah, well, and a lot of the set looked like it was a haunted house set. Like yeah, yeah. 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 It looked like it was like a real kind of shitty put together hot house into, into mm-hmm. like rock and like textures that you don't see in a house. Nick and I worked in a haunted house a few years ago. And I, I know from my time working in um, these organizations that a lot of people do reference these movies, particularly Beetlejuice, the textures of the walls when they're painting and designing actual haunted house walls. So it's interesting that you mentioned that because I think there's a very particular reason. Uh, it's because, they, I don't know if they were referencing things that existed at the time, but that kind of like old style um, uh, hometown carnival or fall festival haunted house look is like a staple of Tim Burton's style. Um, it really shines through in this one. Oh, yeah. So I want to say uh, this conversation that we're having reminds me a little bit of our conversation that we had when we were trying to figure out what goes into Pulp Fiction 2. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> it's just a vibe. Like, when uh-huh. you know it when you see it. Um, but it's not really something that's very easily describable. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I, I think even like with Beetlejuice, I would want it, even if they made it now, you know, Beetlejuice 2, I would want it to look older, uh, kind of grittier, lower budget, even if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I'm just kind of, I just opened up the Wikipedia. They only spent a million dollars on special effects for that movie, which very granted that movies weren't made super expensively back then but i i think about it and there's really only a couple of um attempted i don't know if it's cg or or a certain type of rotoscoping or there's only a couple standout effects that aren't noticeably when they're stylistic like the snake um or like the the beetle when he's playing charades with lydia um when they're they're a claymation it it you don't question it now but there's a couple effects like when uh, beetlejuice gets his head shrunk head, yeah oh man it's like the last shot of the movie yeah, it ends That's on so it. And it looks it looks terrible. Well, it's funny, I, but it looks like, like shit. You can almost see there's like something else in the frame. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it's like the top of his shirt or something was in the frame, 
of what they shrunk down. So it's weird. Yeah, um, it, and his hair is so wispy, and the way they do those types of effects is they're standing on like a green or a blue or a different colored screen, and you can totally in like the the hue, like the outline, I guess, um, the light coming through his hair, you can see a different colored kind of halo. Yeah, I really like how they set up that scene because you see this tribes person and this this like yeah. sort of <laughs> English like explorer with like really tiny shrunken head, you know, that like tribes people would like shrink heads in like certain cultures. And you're like, I wonder what went on here. And then they just do it to Beetlejuice. I don't know. It was, oh yeah. It's like yeah, a setup those, that I wasn't expecting. <laughs> those people in the waiting room, uh, all of the, the people that you see in the, the afterlife kind of um, government office building. Um, I, I love those designs. I, I think oh, they're I really think funny. Uh, the, um, the person who's the clerk that like shows that she slit her wrists, uh-huh. uh, they pay that off with a joke about like people who commit suicide or like beauty queens who die become public servant. They they make some joke about it, uh, yeah, becoming public servants in the afterlife, and it's like that's weird. Like they they paid off a lot of those characters that were just seem like they were just one off characters. There's one that they don't pay off that I kind of wish they had. Um, and you only see him for a second. Um, it's like a guy in a sleeping bag and is uh, he's standing up, but his hair is like um, looks like a Christmas tree. Like it's just kind of straight up in the air, like electrified. And then there's a rattlesnake tail next to him in the sleeping bag. But it it's really large and over exaggerated. And it kind of looks like something from The Simpsons or like Dr. Seuss. Um it's really it's spooky, but but also, um, I don't know. It's so goofy, uh, like a like a um, comic book character or something. Um, but it doesn't come. You only see it like once or twice, and there's no joke mm-hmm. or anything surrounding it. All right, so let's let's go ahead and get into our pitches. Um, I'll go first if you guys don't mind. Go for it. All right. Yeah. Um, so I kind of had in mind a more of a soft reboot than anything. Um, so. Basically, uh, mine's pretty pretty uh, basic. Um, I just had a a couple dies. We're not going to do it in the same house in the same town, whatever. Uh, a couple dies. A family moves in. They don't necessarily jive with their lifestyle. They don't like their way of living, and so they um, try to get Beetlejuice in there to get them out. The big kind of way I'm going to turn it though is. Um, we're going to have a, a couple that's more kind of along the uh, personality styles of the Dietzes this time. And so they're going to be a little bit more wacky, a little bit more off the wall. Uh, and this like more white bread, wholesome family is going to come in and take their, their super like artsy house and make it more of like a traditional farmhouse. And, and it's going to be uh, pretty upsetting to them to see like this, this, house that they put a lot of work into it as almost like an art piece um just become very very normal uh and I, I i don't know that that's kind of what i have um i think uh i i had the idea of having a joke with beetlejuice um talking about getting like lawyers to to work things out for him um basically uh <laughs> yeah um I can't remember. I had a specific one, a specific lawyer in mind, but I can't remember which one it was. Uh, that whatever is not important. Um, but um, 
Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Uh, so these people are trying to scare this family out. Um, and, and then basically, uh, same kind of scenario. Uh, this family has a child. These these people, unlike the, the Maitlands, uh, they didn't necessarily seem like they didn't want a child. It just seemed like they're kind of dragging their feet about it. Um, or maybe even having some, some troubles getting there. Um, the, these people like hard and fast didn't want kids, like despise kids. They could even be like a, a running joke of how disgusted they are by these children. Um, and ultimately they have to like that. They develop an affinity for the kids of the house and they have to save them from Beetlejuice. So that, that's what I got. I mean, I, the, my couple people that I have cast, I feel like are really going to have to carry it. Um, but yeah. Nice. Well, at this point, I, I, I do like, you know, what I like what you've come up with. Um, and at this point, if they were to come at this, it, it's far more likely that they would make a sort of soft reboot approach um, as opposed to a direct sequel, given how much time has passed. Uh, and I love the idea of Beetlejuice having lawyers. Um, I, I, I even have something, Sort of similar Johnny in my Cochran. page. Johnny Cochran. Johnny Cochran. <laughs> um, that's that's awesome. I like that idea of like um, maybe even like the you know the way in which um he's defeated or the way in which he navigates whatever the conflict is is kind of more legal than like actually physically having to defeat anybody. It's not a battle so much as it is uh, a legal battle. Um, yeah, it plays into the bureaucracy of death yeah. even more, which yeah. is always fun. <laughs> awesome. Well, I can go. Mine's also not super long, but I also haven't read this in a while, so <laughs> I might be looking at my notes a little hard. Um, so mine uh, sets off with... It's just Beetlejuice trying to get his head big, big again. That's the whole story. No, that's not it. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be a funny. That'd be a funny plot, though. Just, how does he just got to be tiny headed the entire movie? Him um, going through all the bureaucracy, trying to get his head blown up. <laughs> that could be the premise of my movie. So the the idea is is that um, Beetlejuice, after trying to commit bio exorcism uh, again is um you know gets a, a more strict punishment um he gets sentenced uh, instead of like you know being stuck in this weird like in between place and like that miniature uh world he actually gets sentenced to community service by oh, this like bureaucracy um and uh uh beetlejuice um he it, it for so for community service he has to do good to the world instead of haunt so i i, I imagine this like afterlife isn't necessarily all just haunting and doing evil stuff you know there's also like guardian angels but it's you know it, there's just different pathways and beetlejuice just happened to be like one that wanted to scare people so he has to be a guardian angel for a young japanese girl living in tokyo i just thought that a setting of Beetlejuice in Japan and like the stark contrast between like their super like regimented lives and I don't know, Tokyo's like, yeah, I got a lot of visually appealing stuff. And then I don't know, I'm just imagining the character of Beetlejuice um, 
and it kind of plays into the, the the character a little bit but I'll, I'll 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 keep going on so he's he's tasked with improving her life or spending 500 or more years um haunting before moving on from death so he's you know he was getting close to moving on but now he's gonna get more years tacked on unless he uh, uh does this little task and is a guardian angel he hates it beetlejuice obviously doesn't like it so azumi is the girl's name and she's super timid shy bully um and is often very depressed and her parents work constantly and give her like little att- little attention so you know they kind of talked about suicide a little bit in the uh, first movie with renona uh, lydia um but i wanted to take it a little bit more seriously in this movie where like you know it's like beetlejuice grows a heart that's 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 pretty much where this is going to end up in um so azumi is uh you know, constantly bull- bullied at school but she can only see beetlejuice it's kind of like a- everyone else um doesn't see her all the other mortals and it's just her seeing beetlejuice unless she sa- is able to say beetlejuice three times but however she doesn't speak english beetlejuice speaks english <laughs> and she speaks fluent japanese so like i thought that would be a fun little dynamic of where like beetlejuice like hey hey there what, what the heck are you saying and she's like i don't know like and he's like oh god dang and so i have to like communicate with body language and making it i don't know even goofier um and so let's see here and, and, and azumi i, I think she, i think she'd be like a young middle school girl that's kind of the age i was uh thinking of her uh to be at um they don't understand each other and his goal he has to pretty much help her in some way, improve her life. She's shy, timid, gets bullied. He needs to improve her life, so she like gets a, a positive step forward. And so, at first, he like you know isn't really, like she kind of figures out he's there to help her, but he's like helping her in his old like scary bio exorcist ways, where like he like essentially tries to kill them, <laughs> like, and he's like you know he's advising her how to bully back, and it gets her into more trouble. And it kind of makes her even more depressed and she starts to hate him a little bit. Um, however, it gets to a point where she's in English class and she's playing with like little like English flashcards and, you know, like how they have like apple and bear, like they'll have beetles and then juice. And be like, ah, and I'll like be pointing to that one. And I'll be like, ah, like you know, so, some sort of weird scene of that where she could say Beetlejuice three times. So he growing like an attachment for this girl, sort of like he's actually starting to like her at this point. He goes out and he like almost kills the bullies and she doesn't like that. Um, and gets really upset. And I mean, is it kind of lame to bring in that uh, suicide forest that's in Japan? I can't remember the name of it. Um, I probably wouldn't be able to pronounce what? it. You, you know the suicide forest in Japan? You never heard of that? Oh, okay, okay. The yeah, the forest. Okay, yes, definitely. Um, Okigahara. Yeah, yeah. Okigahara. And you know, she she ends up going there. Um, in the end, you know, he kind of stops her, has a has a change of heart, and tries to productively help her into gaining more confidence using his sort of like you know beetlejuice i think is a character who has a lot of confidence so he's just like you gotta walk tall and like you know you know there's a lot of things we could fill in there if we decide to go this route um so izumi prevents you know him from doing a bio exorcism of her parents and these other kids (laughs) and uh you know 
I don't know. That's really, it's really, you know, you kind of get the gist of it. Like he kind of starts out grumpy, bioexorcist wants to kill humans, doesn't really like him, but then grows his attachment to this girl, makes a mistake, um, corrects it by, you know, preventing, you know, uh, some murders from, or by her stopping him from killing people. He has a change of heart, prevents her from killing herself. And they, he helps her in some big sort of climax that we can decide what happens if we go with this. Cause I feel like it's going to be different. It's already different than Zach's. <laughs> But it's going to be different than yours. Um, I, I really like that he has to be a guardian angel. Yeah. Uh, and I like I, I like picturing like Beetlejuice um, is just like a bus is some about to hit somebody and he has to like slow them down or turn them in the other direction. And then like sometimes it's just driving him nuts to like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let it hit him this time. Like this is going to be awesome. And then uh, just deciding last minute like, oh, God. And then like making the bus the light turn red right away or something there could be there could be like some sort of weird like collar or like you know like uh what what are those bracelets that you have to get get on your leg if you're like, oh, like stuck the, at home yeah uh, what those called the uh, ankle monitor house arrest, yeah yeah house arrest and ankle monitor but like every time he's like trying to do something he's like forced to do something good I don't know. I'm just I'm just thinking about stuff. I think it's just funny that like yeah, making him do be like a good person and him transitioning to that, you know, he's kind of like a dick and a murderer. Yeah, that's a good that's a good switch up uh, from the you know kind of his status in the first one and his relationship even with Lydia in the first one. Um, Nick, I thought you said suicide force, F O R C E. <laughs> like yeah, you know the the Japanese suicide force. Like they had like a special division. Um, a police or law enforcement that went out because of the high suicide rates, which is incredibly, that's, that would be so sad. Uh, I thought you were going to say Azumi, you know, gets depressed and Beetlejuice and the suicide force. <laughs> hey, why not? I, I'm down to include him. Um, but yeah, I, the Tokyo setting. Um, oh, that's so different from the first one, but uh, it's very interesting. Um, and I like the the fish out of water uh, language humor a lot too of them. Uh, like she just speaks Japanese, not English. So would you think in that scenario that like um, Michael Keaton's the only character speaking English throughout the film? Yeah, it's going to be a very well Michael Keaton. Whoever I didn't cast Michael Keaton. I mean, it could be Michael Keaton, but uh, I, I figured like it's going to be a pretty intense role and he's getting old he's like 60 something right like he's like he's like 69 years yeah. old last time i checked um so i mean i'd love for it to be a younger michael keaton and maybe if michael keaton could pull it off that'd be great but i have some other options there but yeah it's pretty much Ooh. beetlejuice um carrying everything because i mean beetlejuice was the best you know, I don't know he, he he stood out a lot but it's really gonna ride on whoever plays Beetlejuice because they're going to be doing a lot of like describing and monologuing and and I would just take a lot of nonverbal cues and I I think it'd be generally kind of funny hopefully but I like the idea of the cards um, uh, the cue cards with him putting the beetle like doing the charades game I think that's a fun callback I actually have a callback to that um, in my book as well I don't know know if I explained super clearly but yeah, that brings him to be able to go to the physical world and kill people. I don't know if I explained that super well, but yeah, like aside from that, he's a ghost that just she can see, similar to when he's like yeah. a little guy on in the and like Lydia can see him, but he's not interacting with the world until they say his name. Yeah, 
and then I he think, can yeah, like I think that's yeah. Right. Yeah, your guys' pitch, uh, they're they're both pretty different, um, and mine is also pretty different. Um, but if, if we're cool, I'll go ahead and transition into that. Um, I do just right away want to say that um, I wrote a lot. It, it's pretty long, so I'm going to just speed through it as quickly as possible. The idea is that two years have passed since the ending of the original Beetlejuice. Lydia has just graduated high school, and she's been accepted into photography school in New York City. But before she leaves... She wants to take a road trip to the Grand Canyon with her whole family. The Maitlands, Adam and Barbara, are saddened by the announcement that they're going to go on family vacation. And they reveal to everyone that at one point they had had plans to take a family vacation to the Grand Canyon on their 10th wedding anniversary with their kids. But they died a few years shy and they never had any children. Now, um, Otho, he lives with the Dietz family. And he works as Delia's personal assistant. And he's been reading the handbook for the recently deceased this whole time. So he's become somewhat of an expert. And he proposes a plan based on a kind of vague and spooky ritual that he discovered in the book. He reveals that the Maitlands are contractually bound to haunt their house. So they, if they leave the house, they'll get transported to Saturn and they'll get eaten by sandworms. But he can do a ritual that will change the agreements of the contract. So instead of being bound to the house, they're bound to a person. And when Lydia hears this, she says, I'll be the person. I like these guys a lot. Um, they're my best friends. And they can they can be bound to me forever. That's fine. Uh, the Maitlands object because they know it's 125 years. She was not going to live that long. But despite the hesitation uh, and their objections... Their overwhelming urge to go to the Grand Canyon, it kind of overtakes them, and they do the ritual. Kind of similar to the ritual at the end of the first movie, but maybe a little bit more happy, but kind of seems like haphazard, like something through the visuals gives us a sense that Otho didn't do things quite right. But the family embarks on a road trip. They all get into an RV and they leave. From there, we cut to the afterlife, uh, where we see that Beetlejuice is working as a janitor in that hallway with all the doors from the first movie. And there's three other janitors there, uh, and this is going to be his kind of Beetlejuice posse throughout the movie. Through dialogue, we discover that they're all being punished for having broken these laws of their contracts in the afterlife, and they're now serving several hundred-year sentences as janitors. Beetlejuice says, um, you know, we should run away through one of the doors. But the other guys say, if you go through the door, you're going to end up getting exercised yourself, and you'll end up in the Lost Souls room. So we've got to figure out a different plan to get out of the afterlife. So they decide that they're going to trick some newly dead ghosts, and they Beetlejuice goes over to a couple, kind of similar to the Maitlands from the first movie, and he's schmoozing them. And while he's schmoozing them, one of the members of his Beetlejuice gang pickpockets some of their chalk, and they sneak off, and they draw a door and they escape Beetlejuice's he's dead set on getting revenge on the Maitlands and the Dietzes from the first movie uh, so he heads to their house Beetlejuice and his goons they arrive at the Dietz home in Connecticut and they do the snake routine but instead of just Beetlejuice it's his whole gang there's four snakes busted in uh, there's a big deal you know you know kind of it escalates and then they realize there's nobody home uh, and the, the tension all deflates and like, oh, what are we going to do? We messed up. We, we showed up to get revenge. There's nobody here. But he sees a brochure that says, you know, they're going to the Grand Canyon. So he kind of tells his gang, split up, meet me at the Grand Canyon in a couple days and we'll get them there. We cut to the Grand Canyon. And um, I don't know if you guys remember in the movie Pee Wee's Big Adventure, there's a sequence that's set at like a dinosaur like an old-timey kind of 1950s tourist attraction highway side stop thing where there's these giant dinosaur models. What oh, I imagine yeah. is that their hotel uh, at the Grand Canyon is right across the street from 
an attraction like this, but it is, it's been closed. So this is the 80s. It's from the 50s. So they have arrived unknowingly on the weekend that the Dino Park is going to be grand uh, reopened to the public. Um, so there's these huge dinosaur statues in the desert. I don't know. I really like the idea of that visual. I think that fits the Beetlejuice um, aesthetic. And of course, Beetlejuice is going to possess these dinosaurs at some point. Beetlejuice attempts to hitchhike uh, to get to the Grand Canyon. He's in Connecticut. He's trying to get to the Grand Canyon. It's a long ways. He's hitchhiking. Nobody's coming up to him. And this old man approaches him and is like, hey, you're uh, you're one of them ghosts, ain't you? And Beetlejuice is like, hey, man, this, this road's not big enough for the two of us. Why don't you get back out of here so I can get picked up? And he's like, no, you don't understand. Nobody can see you. You're a ghost. You're, you're, you don't exist in the physical world. Only people who are, you know, a little bit prescient or whatever um, can see you. And he realizes like, oh, my God, that's true. I'm still dead, even though we got out of the afterlife. What am I doing? Uh, and so he comes up with a new plan. We cut back to the Grand Canyon. The Maitlands are with Lydia. They're looking out over the Grand Canyon. It's during the day. Um, they're kind of, you know, it's a beautiful, touching moment. And all of a sudden, this guy comes up to him. He's got a mohawk, uh, this older Mexican gentleman. He's got a mohawk, feathered earrings, kind of like looks like Mr. T, but also in a suit jacket. Um, he tells him his name is Amazing Larry. He is a magician, and he knows that they're ghosts, and he can sense that they've changed their agreement. People start to notice this. They start to look at them and see Lydia and Amazing Larry talking to thin air. Because, uh, you know, not everyone can see the ghosts. Larry's like, all right, we can't, we'll get caught if we talk here. Meet me here tonight and I'll tell you what's going on. Uh, side note, I think Amazing Larry should be played by Danny Trejo. <laughs> um, oh, man. Um, that was way different than what I pictured when you were talking about well, this <laughs> So it's kind of, this was kind of an attempt to make like a Tim Burton, an early Tim Burton shared universe. Um, there's a character named Amazing Larry and Pee Wee's Big Adventure. And I, I would think it's him. He doesn't look exactly like Danny Trejo, but it's not so far off that it'd be a problem. Okay. Um, but he tells him to meet them, you know, meet him there under cover of darkness and he'll help him out. Uh, we cut to Beetlejuice. It's like a lonesome road in the middle of the night in the desert. Beetlejuice is possessing billboards to do the charades game from the first game so, or from the first game from the first movie. Um, so he's he's putting up, a, you know, there's a picture of a beetle and there's a picture of a carton pour, pouring orange juice into a glass and they're on these billboards and we don't know who's seeing them. But we cut to a POV from inside of a car. We can see the windshield wipers. And they're seeing, you know, they see the first one, the beetle. They see the the carton. And all of a sudden, we hear the undeniable voice of Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. Like, oh, geez, Scoop, what's that beetle sign right there? And Scooby-Doo and Shaggy inside the mystery machine inadvertently say Beetlejuice three times. Uh, and I looked this up to make sure this would be okay. Both of these properties are owned by Warner Brothers. This is a totally acceptable cameo. Uh, and I'm circling all the way back to our first episode here. Where say, Have you been trying to work them into a movie? I have. I have. Uh, and this, this, works, uh, this works very well. So this is Red Shirt Shaggy and Scooby-Doo nice. accidentally say Beetlejuice three times. Beetlejuice appears in the mystery machine. He's like, hey, guys, what's cracking? And it cuts back uh, to the to the Grand Canyon. The Maitlands are there with Amazing Larry. It's the middle of the night. And he says, guys, whoever did this ritual to change your contract, he messed it up. You're going to get like 500 to 1,000 years added onto your term. Lydia is never going to live that long. It's just going to keep compounding. You're going to be stuck here forever. And eventually, you're going to break the rules and try to run like Beetlejuice did. And you're just going to become a poltergeist. So listen to me, and, and I'll be able to help you and fix your ritual but we can't do it here. I need the energy of a lot of people. We need a big event. So let's go to the Dino Park grand opening. 
and I will save you guys. I'm going to I'm going to get you rebound to your house and then in 100 years you'll pass on and everything will be fine. So we cut to the next evening it's the grand opening of the Dino Park. Beetlejuice arrives in the mystery machine. Um he says <laughs> goodbye to Scooby and Shaggy. I even think it would be fun if there's a scene where we cut to them and it's like uh they're just having a great time. Uh like they're driving down the highway giving him a ride and they're they're just good pals. They're they're they cracking really jokes. And, and... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's it. Scooby and Shaggy aren't actually in the movie. They don't impact the plot. It's just they're the means by which he travels cross country. So he gets out of the mystery machine. He immediately uh sees his Beetlejuice goons. They've all arrived there at the same time. They start going berserk, they start possessing stuff. And Adam, Barbara, amazing Larry, Lydia, they all show up. They were gonna do their ritual. Uh and then Juno, the caseworker from the first movie, she shows up and they all kind of have this big showdown with Beetlejuice as he's possessing the dinosaurs at the dino park that kind of are black and white striped, uh, similar to the, you know, his outfit and the snake in the first one. And what happens is Beetlejuice reveals to Juno that back when he was her assistant, he changed his contract so that no matter what happens, he can't die. If someone says Beetlejuice, 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 he'll always come back to life. So he's unstoppable. He's beat them. He's beat the system. He He's very smug when he says this. He, it's like uh, like he has some sort of longstanding personal vendetta with Juno that he's resolving in this moment. And Juno holds up a contract. She's like, Beetlejuice, have you reviewed the most recent addendum to your contract with a lawyer since blah, 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 this this date. Beetlejuice is like, what are you talking about? And she opens a contract to a certain page and she's like, right here, right here. It's in the fine print. And then she's like, all right, everybody now. And they all say, Beetlejuice, 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 real fast. And he starts screaming in horror as he is sucked into like a vortex of blinding white light. We fade to a POV shot of a doctor in a hospital birthing <laughs> a child. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> It's a boy. <laughs> Beetlejuice has been defeated by being reincarnated. Uh, and then Juno tells the Maitlands that because of all the trouble they've caused, she uh, and whoever the powers that be are in the afterlife have decided that they're going to let them void their contract. They don't have to haunt their house for 125 years. They can pass on. And after kind of a moment of hesitation, they agree. They say their goodbyes to Lydia and the, her, her parents and Otho. Uh, and then they pass on. And that's it. Uh, I know that's very detailed um, and long-winded. Uh, <laughs> but I got excited when I started writing it. It's like uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure meets Beetlejuice. That was exactly the idea. Uh, that that kind of sums it up. I probably could have just said that and not talked for 10 so minutes, I but... I think I have a way to tie like my idea is garbage. It's out the window, um, but I have a way to tie Nick's and your idea together. I think. Uh, cool. So what if Beetlejuice was doing his uh, guardian angel kind of shtick like that was his punishment. Uh, and then that's kind of how he came across the chalk. And then once he has the chalk, he starts to put in motion the plan to get revenge um, but he still has to use the girl that he's the guardian angel for in the real world to kind of like get to where he's going because he's tied to her. So, um, he, so he, <laughs> he's trying to convince her like, you got to go to the grand Canyon. It will change your life. Like, you know, like you're just a small piece in the universe and it's what's worth living for. But really we know as the audience, his, his whole point is he's trying to get there because the Maitlands will be there. Um, She'd yeah, be a Japanese tourist. So I, yeah. I, um, 
Yeah, we could do whatever uh, with that. Um, I was thinking it would make sense for her to live nearby, um, which would make it easy. Um, but I, we could do whatever, and, and that would be fine. Like, I don't think it matters. Um, I do like, so do we like that idea? I like that idea. I, I like the idea of Beetlejuice being, you know, the first act instead of him being a janitor, that it's Nick's idea where he's in Tokyo. He's been assigned to be the guardian angel to this girl. And then, but his ultimate goal is to get back to to yeah. haunt uh, or to get revenge on the Maitlands and the Dietas. And he, but he knows maybe he's got some item so he can see, you know, they're, what they're doing. And he sees that they're taking this Grand Canyon, Grand Canyon trip. And he's got to convince the girl, Azumi. Um, sure, yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, to go to America. So there's a scene, you know, with like an international flight with Beetlejuice and Asumi <laughs> uh, that would presumably take quite some time. I mean, that's He's a definitely just like clipping his toenails on the flight, just obnoxious. <laughs> yeah, I like takes that. Shoes off. Uh, yeah. So, so here's here's my. I, I started to kind of run this in my head during the end of your pitch. Um, I think our first scene should be like like open up on the afterlife bureaucracy sure um and beetlejuice is basically getting kind of like uh scolded because he's been a bad guardian angel and we could have like he has because he gets bored with people just kind of allowed them to come to harm's way or even like made harm happen to him uh, because it, his punishment wasn't necessarily to be guardian angel to an individual is be guardian angel for a set number of years um and basically we could have those little snapshots of like Beetlejuice being kind of a jerk. And then he's told, okay, last chance. If you can't do this, then you're, you're going to lost souls. Like we can't keep doing this. You're, you're actively harming human beings now. Uh, and then, so he gets assigned to this girl um, and ultimately has to get her to go. <laughs> I don't know what exactly like maybe he could even get to the Maitland's house and see that they're gone. And uh, I don't know. Then it's like a ticking clock of the, the Maitland's and the Dietz's are doing this like old Americana road trip. Cause that seems right down that right in the ballpark for the, the Dietz's of like, Oh, it will be great. We'll, we'll take an old road trip and we'll stop at tourist traps along the way. And, and it's almost like um, to Catherine O'Hara's character, like this Americana experience. Um, and so it's going to take them substantially longer, but he still has a ticking clock to kind of get um, him and his, his girl and his posse to the Grand Canyon. I, I love that. Um, I think that's a great way to combine those two pitches. Um, and just kind of tossing Scooby and Shaggy out the window. I do think it would be fun uh, if inadvertently, you know, Beetlejuice has his ulterior motives for getting Azumi to America and him and his posse, if his posse is still involved, are that he wants them to get to the Grand Canyon. They're going to get revenge. But no matter what, um, he his actions, as selfish as they seem, we as the audience see that every step of the way, he is positively... He, he's creating this adventure of positive moments 
that is sending Azumi yeah. on her own journey. Yeah, that he doesn't even he seemingly doesn't care at all. But it's <laughs> no, just happening yes. in the background, like this tremendous like she's character opening growth. Up and talking to somebody on the plane yeah. that she would never do, and she yeah. yeah, there's little things that because he has forced her to go to the Grand Canyon, she mm-hmm. is having these life experiences that are making her like life is worth living like this is so great. he is like, he's right. like achieving he's like doing what he was supposed to do even though he's going there uh to get revenge and break the rules he's still accidentally the good guy it's like oh no like he gets upset when he actually helps her so so how about <laughs> uh, i'm just gonna jump to our end then uh, yeah okay and, and we can fill in the middle what if at the end he doesn't get punished but at the end she uh his old boss shows up and is like, you've actually like completed your contract. You have, I had you tied to this girl for 75 years. And like, I can see that she has turned the corner and like, you've done it. Like you made her know that life is worth living. So you get the reward that comes with being a successful guardian angel. And it is reincarnation, which is not at all what he wanted. So it is like, he gets rewarded, but his reward is, a punishment for him. I like it. I I yeah, like it good. a lot, actually. Yeah that that uh, that's kind of the movie right there, uh, and that's uh, uh, so beautiful I, in a way. I do like the um, the old Dino Park scene, but I almost feel like uh, maybe for the sake of the Dietzes doing the road trip, they should be stopping at these like supposedly haunted places. Um, and they're they're like going into these abandoned amusement parks and these like weird um, like abandoned mental hospitals and stuff. And they're just like doing it because they're weirdos. Um, and that would still get us in that dino park. But I feel like the uh, just an old abandoned uh, dinosaur park would maybe fit the vibe even more so than one that was redone. Yeah, I can dig that for sure. Um yeah, I, I mean, I like the Dino Park. I, I love the idea of there being many of these places uh, and them going on kind of a road trip that's themed around them going to these spooky Tim Burton-styled locales. Um, the Dino Park in, in and of itself, for me, was mostly a reference to Pee-wee's Big Adventure. So if there were other places, they could be references to his other movies. Um, maybe little stop-offs that have, you know, something so like... Could- in- we could have Beetlejuice not convince her just to go to the Grand Canyon, but convince her to do like the Great American Road Trip. But she starts in like Kansas City. Uh, <laughs> so she doesn't actually like tour a lot of the country. It's just he knows that if they leave now, they can get to Kansas City right before or around the same time as the Maitlands. And then they'll just slowly be like tracking them the entire time, trying to catch up to him or something. Um, and then we can have multiple interactions. Gotham City. Gotham's. Oh, the Tim Burton version of Gotham City. That is that would be pretty funny, actually. I was thinking there. Yeah, the stops could be references to the early Tim Burton uh, movies in Ed Wood. There's a part where they go on a little carnival ride that is um, it really looks like the You know, it's got the Tim Burton style. And I'm pretty sure you see little pop outs that are like Jack Skellington or um Oh, the little dog from Nightmare Before Christmas, Zero. So it'd be fun to see stuff like that. So I don't know if that was a joke, but I would embrace that in this movie. No, I'm down. No, I think that that would be like the, so this girl is super into, 
super into Tim Burton. <laughs> oh, so we had an, a meta element. I don't know. I feel like that is maybe too much, but that would be like, she's this really dark, broody girl who also is super into American films by Tim Burton. Uh, and so he wants her to go to the the Grand Canyon, but also to see like some Americana from her favorite American, Tim Burton. They go to the Willy Wonka chocolate factory from the bad one. Um, <laughs> oh man. Oh, oh, um, this is totally derailing this, but I, I, I have to say this. They are making a movie called Wonka. That is yeah. a prequel to oh, Willy yeah. Wonka. We did it already. Uh, so uh, I, I don't know if anyone's hearing this that has any power whatsoever. I am advocating for Paul Dano for Willy Wonka as well, opposed to the... I am advocating for our exact script because <laughs> I, that movie was good. awesome. It's a pretty good script. I just wanted to say it because the name, the name from what I've seen, the name of the movie they're developing is Wonka. And mm-hmm. we called it maybe two months ago. Uh, but <laughs> I didn't know that was the name. I knew they were making. Oh it yeah, up. it's the name, yeah. and then it's a prequel too. Like the plot's a prequel. Yeah. It's a prequel, yeah. and then yeah. which one of you was texting that Paul Dano has actually been like thrown out in some message uh, boards about? Yeah, I saw a thing. So Timothy Chalamet and Tom Hiddleston, or not Tom Hiddleston, Tom Holland, Spider Man. Um, those were the names that were like attached to the the article about you know they were gonna make Wonka. Here's the rumored guys, and then I was looking at the Reddit thread and there was a pretty high up uh comment with a lot of you know a big chain of discussion that said uh paul dano has the exact energy like that uncomfortable almost threatening energy that would really work for a young willy wonka and you know those are our people they're they're on the same page so if you're listening to this episode and you haven't listened to our wonka episode go check it out Mm -hmm. yeah hey they list they listen to us yeah, we asked, please make this movie, and they yeah. did. <laughs> they did. <laughs> uh, all right, so are we happy with the plot for our second for for this movie? It's fucking all like... over the place, but I'm down. Yeah, <laughs> it's really crazy. Let me, yeah, let me but... do a quick run through this. So we have Beetlejuice at the Bureau of like Afterlife being scolded uh, because he hasn't <laughs> been a good guardian angel, which is his punishment. He's told this is his last chance. He's got to be the guardian angel for this Japanese girl who like we could even have it be. She just tried to commit suicide and like failed, like was caught. Good Lord. Uh, and so like it starts dark. Um, Jake Paul. Stop uh, it. Oh, God. <laughs> he, <Jesus Christ. laughs> uh, and he through being the guardian angel to her somehow figures out a way to um, kind of move around um, as a spirit in the real world, but he can't do anything. He can just kind of visually see everything, but he can't actually interact with it. So he knows that the Maitlands are going to the Grand Canyon, and he's like, perfect. I can get her to go to the Grand Canyon. And so he his duty becomes to convince her that in order to better her life and like make things better, uh, she needs to get to the Grand Canyon or do even this like short uh, like road trip. Um, so she goes along the way. He is he is getting her to become a better person. She's opening up to people on the plane. Um, she's like asking for help instead of just suffering through 
like anxiety, um, things like that. Because Beetlejuice isn't necessarily helping her with this. He's just putting her in a position where she is forced to confront these things. Um, along the way, like they finally arrive in America. Uh, they're tracking the Dietzes and the Maitlands and they're trying to like Beetlejuice and, and his kind of posse that he's rounded up is trying to like get them to get revenge. They can't seem to catch up to them. They always seem to be one step behind. Um, they make it to the Grand Canyon. They're like backing the Maitlands. I don't know. The Maitlands can't really fall off a cliff. They're backing the Dietzes <laughs> off of like the Grand Canyon and they're doing something that would kill a ghost um, to the Maitlands. And that's when Juno arrives and basically praises Beetlejuice for fulfilling his contract. He has gone above and beyond in the call of, of being a um, guardian angel. Um, and because of that, he's going to get the reward that all guardian angels, she's going to commute his sentence and he's actually going to get rewarded the same reward that all guardian angels get. And that is a reincarnation. And so he cannot fulfill his revenge. Um, and like we could even see along the way, um, the, the, the girl is just like in the background while Beetlejuice is plotting all these crazy things. She's like becoming a good person or like not, not necessarily a good person, like being able to handle her, her problems maybe a little bit more or confronting some of the issues that she had in life. Um, good nice nice yeah good that was a good that was a very succinct summary i think some of the additional details um that that we had in the the pitches um maybe the suicide forest has a a brief appearance uh appearance at the beginning uh zach you mentioned something like maybe azumi had attempted Mm -hmm. suicide which is quite dark um maybe that happened maybe amazing larry and the dino park are there but for the most part that was it um uh, it's weird hearing it kind of just um you said it you know you went through it pretty fast um hearing it like that that sounds like the sequel the unmade sequel to beetlejuice uh from like the 80s um (laughs) just how weird and like i i don't know see the idea of him being in japan and being forced to be a guardian angel being the setup is goofy as hell in and of itself and then like him being on a plane and that this idea that he's like an asshole, but he accidentally <laughs> saves, not saves the day, but he does right by this person and achieves the goal that he didn't really even care about. He was trying to break the rules and he accidentally mm-hmm. accomplishes this thing that is so good and is like weirdly heartwarming in that kind of classical like Spielbergian 80s movie sort of way. So I, I love it. So let's let's go ahead then and get into casting of this movie. Um, I don't really have like any of these characters. I cast, uh, I have a couple people in mind for Beetlejuice, but honestly, like Michael Keaton is going to be extremely hard. We've talked about already. Yeah. These people, I feel like one of them more so than the other could maybe do a Michael Keaton doing Beetlejuice impression. The other one, I like, I, I don't like, I know that you guys aren't going to like, but I feel like I have to say the name. Uh, <laughs> okay. And you'll, I think you'll see why when I say it. Um, I just want to throw out um, in case we don't want the, the like main kind of uh, protagonist to be a Japanese girl that I was thinking of Zendaya for being the, the girl uh, filling kind of that Winona Ryder role. 
Um, but I, I do think the, the, the plane trip alone, uh, and kind of the fish out of water, um, of Beetlejuice being tied to in Japan. And then the, the Japanese girl being forced to kind of confront all these things in America with nobody. Cause Beetlejuice is helping her is much better than who I cast there. So who was that that you cast? Who's that? Um, I don't even know what she's in. We talked about She's her. in uh, um, Spider-Man, the new Spider-Man movie. She plays... It was uh, cast yeah. in Gremlins, and that's why she was... In, yeah, she is... Um, she's also in the show Euphoria on HBO, um, mm-hmm. and then um, she's she's cast in Dune. I, I don't really know her outside of those roles. Um, no, I, I, I was thinking specifically of her character in Spider-Man that was like kind of an outsider... Um, totally. Oh, I can totally see see yeah, yeah. um you know her filling that Winona Ryder Winona Ryder uh, role based on that. Um, but we can definitely move away from there. So let's yeah. first talk about Beetlejuice. Yeah, for sure. Who do you guys have as alternate Beetlejuice choices? I'm very curious. Ugh, it was hard. I'm gonna, go first. I'm gonna go first so we can talk about how much we don't like this choice. Okay. Uh, so my my one that I feel like oh God, this would make the filming of this movie an absolute disaster. Um, but I had the idea to cast Jared Leto. Oh my God. And just let ah. him go full, full method. Oh God. I don't, I, I don't like it. Cause I don't like how hard he'd try. Yeah. Like it would, I yeah. think you could see it and you could smell it. And I, <laughs> the disagree. No. I, so <laughs> I think that he kind of has the look to pull it off. And I think he has like the weird energy, but I also think he would, like you said, he would overdo something and you just like, he's just not as likable as as Michael Keaton is. Yeah. I, I could see, I could see it. I don't want to see it, but I could see it. Yeah. I don't Um, like it at all. (laughs) uh, No, I don't like it. The, the one that I landed on that I like a little bit more, but I feel like this person would maybe be doing more of a Michael Keaton impression is jake gyllenhaal i picked jake gyllenhaal because i feel like jake gyllenhaal has weird energy too um and i feel like he i feel like he could do a michael keaton that's weird i picked jake gyllenhaal that's a wow small world i mean i have a second choice as well but i i I wanted like a, a, a my idea was like who's an actor that usually plays pretty serious roles but like can really get weird and I feel like Jake Gyllenhaal could do that. I had a second choice, though, um, who I wasn't 100% sure on, uh, who I also felt could similarly pull it off, would be Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's crazy, but like, I feel like it has to be someone you wouldn't expect to be able to do it. Honestly, like, you saying Leonardo DiCaprio made me think like Brad Pitt could probably pull this off. Yeah. Like he, he is, he's almost weirder. Like, I feel like Leonardo DiCaprio doesn't really allow himself to be like a weirdo. You know what I mean? He's Mm -hmm. always like more of a grounded character. Brad Pitt's characters are always just so off the wall. Um, that like, I could see him doing this. Yeah. And the, the, I don't like Leonardo DiCaprio, Leonardo DiCaprio. (laughs) I, I don't like Leo or Jake. Because they're too like kind of good looking. I wish they. Yeah, yeah that's one of the biggest thing. I think in a weird world, maybe one of them could pull it off. 
but I don't know. Aside from that, like I really couldn't think of anybody. Like might just have to get old ass Michael Keaton back. That was what I I had in mind was Michael Keaton reprising the role. But I, I had this idea of him having a posse, um, and one of the guys. So uh, I don't know if you guys know they made a musical. There was a Broadway musical Beetlejuice, and and the guy who played him. Uh, in that it, it was a very different performance. It was more in line with like the cartoon, um, but he's doing kind of like a John Belushi throwback, sort of very yelly, sarcastic. The, my problem when I tried to watch that musical is there's a lot of modern humor and that doesn't line up um, with something that's supposed to be a riff on something from the 80s. But um, I had him as one of the goons, but one of the characters I had cast as someone who I am now thinking could legitimately play Beetlejuice and that is Eric Andre uh I know we yeah, talked about him for like the too. for the Grinch um yeah but I, I don't know he's just uh, because of his show and the way he acts on that he's my go-to like absolute insane guy I guess well, like guy that'll push similar, the limits I think I think he could like kind of match the voice inflection yeah too. the voice was is hard because I I want to I want to be able to hear a similar voice. I don't even, it's like, what the hell is Michael Keaton even doing with his voice and in I that think, movie? And I think Eric Andre would love to just do a, a role where he's completely in white face. The entire yeah. Time. yeah that, like he, he would look like, yeah, like him would be like, yeah, let's um, do it. Yeah. I think like uh Woody Harrelson, he's pretty old, but I think he, it would be stupid to replace Michael Keaton with Woody yeah. Harrelson, but I could see him in the role. I could also, so since you said Woody Harrelson, I could also see Matthew McConaughey. Yes. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. yeah actually, I feel like you just have to bring in a weirdo. And let oh, yeah. Totally. Him. Okay. So I'm not, <laughs> I don't know. My preference would be to keep Michael Keaton, but I do, I'm curious about Jake Gyllenhaal is such an interesting choice. I don't know why. I mean, obviously there's some about him because both of us. I think so. Have you seen the down. movie Nightcrawler? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, oh, that's yeah. the movie. That's why I chose Jake Gyllenhaal. Because like that's the energy I feel like would be good for Beetlejuice. Did you guys have any recast characters aside from Beetlejuice from the first movie? Well, I know mine was like set in Japan. So, like I, okay. I don't know any Japanese actors, so I was like, yeah, I'm just cast Beetlejuice. So I had, um, I had reca- I had a different family, obviously, um, and my two families were going to be comprised of. Um, the guy, if you guys have seen the Queen's Gambit, um, the guy that was in the Queen's Gambit as, uh, God, I can't remember what his name was, but he was like the guy who had a mustache, Benny Watts, uh, that he was like kind of this weird, like Indiana Jones chess player. Um, he was going to be one of my like hipster dead people. And Mae Whitman was going to be the other one. She is in, uh, like perks of being a wallflower and Scott Pilgrim and, um, oh, I okay. they would be yeah. the, but I could almost see, um, I could see Mae Whitman as the, uh, the mother role. I don't, I think she's way too young for that probably, but yeah, the, the mother one was weird for me. I, I want to mention it just, I, I don't want to go through my whole Maitland and Dietz recastings because they're pretty, pretty weird. Uh, but, uh, I had Drew Barrymore as Delia. Um, I, I think mm. she's in that age range and has a similar voice or vocal approach where I would, Catherine O'Hara is very specific. It's super hard to replace her. And I, 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 I don't know. I thought about it for a long time and Drew Barrymore was the person I ended up landing on for that. 
Um, and then Otho, um, I would, I want Otho in the movie and I want him to be played by Jack Black. Uh, <laughs> I like so that. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know why I thought that was good. The rest of them, it was hard, man. Like Adam and Barbara, the Maitlands. I, I, yeah, I don't even, I don't even know what you would do. Like that's, that's why I completely like didn't keep anybody. Cause I have no idea how I recast some of those people. Uh, what's his name? John Krasinski or whatever. Yeah, that is a good. That's a good choice. I think he's a little. He's a little bit um, older, but he could play younger. I had. You guys know uh, the YouTube show, The Try Guys, where where people eat like a lot of fast food. Okay, I had this guy. His his name's Keith Happersberger. He's a host on that, and he he was a comedian. Um, I don't know if he he still does comedy shows and whatnot. He he went to ISU. Um, and he was a comedian in in Chicago for a while before he kind of became this internet host. Um, is has reasonable uh, fame, um, but that would be like stunt casting because I think he has a similar vibe to like Alec Baldwin in the original movie. And that's kind of that's how I would want to approach it is like unknowns who look or feel similar versus. Yes. famous people being then, yeah. recast. I, as I think people. that's almost what we'd have to do is mm-hmm. um, just cast solely based on looks of virtual unknowns to try to make it work. Yeah. What do you guys think for a title? I just had Beetlejuice 2. I, I feel like it should be something with a road trip or something that implies a road trip. So like Beetlejuice coast to coast. Beetlejuice on. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice worldwide. Beetlejuice world tour. tour. <laughs> world Beetlejuice. war. <laughs> world war Beetlejuice. That's funny. Beetle, Beetlejuice does America. Like Beetus and Butthead. That's oh my god. I like That's, that. I do like that as but well. I, I Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice coast to coast is good. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice international from, from sea to shining <laughs> sea. <laughs> International gives off a vibe like it's going to take place outside of, you know, but it's international man of mystery. Just ripping off other names. <laughs> straight, straight Austin Powers or Bob. Beetlejuice Coast to Coast is the best I have. Yeah, I, I mean, that's, I, I can get behind it. I feel like Beetlejuice 2 is reasonable enough, but I've come up with all these dumb names. I feel like we have to use one. When I pictured this, I, I literally just pictured it being called Beetlejuice 2. And it the title just being B E E T L E J U I I like Roman numerals C. Oh, okay, nice. So like it, it's still Beetlejuice. The characters' names spell differently than what they put on the title, right? Weird. Yeah, I don't understand that um, because I know I, like that was something I knew going in that like Beetlejuice was spelled like Beetlegeist because there's that line where she mispronounces it mm-hmm. uh, and so right. so what do we land on with the title this is, is the beetlejuice be- 2 coast to coast beetlejuice 2 coast to coast okay can, can it be b-e-e-t-l-e-j-u-i-i-c-e colon coast to coast that's super or wacky no. but I, I love it no you hate it i love it i don't uh, we <laughs> if i remember matter. it for the it photo really- it really doesn't matter. <laughs> All right. So um, do we want Tim Burton to do this? Like, I feel like I, don't I want somebody. 
Somebody to impersonate Tim Burton's directing style from his first handful of movies, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, Beetlejuice, up to Batman and maybe, you know, uh, Edward Scissorhands and Nightmare Before Christmas, and then forget that he existed after that. So we don't want Tim Burton to do it. We want no. just somebody to pretend to be Tim Burton. Yes. To do yes. Okay. So not Tim Burton, but somebody out there. Please make this movie. Please make this movie. Please make this movie. 